sometimes when you stop singing and you hear everybody around you worshiping, it's this small, small picture of heaven. And um, I don't know, I just, I love those moments. Those are so cool. And and I think everybody around me appreciates it too when I stop singing for a minute. Um, Last week we talked about one of these biggest relation slips, so to speak, is arguing over things that are disputable, like things that may be important and may not be. And I want to remind you this, this thing that I said last week is this, God's intent for relationships, and it's that God created relationships so that we can have an earthly sense of what it's like to have a relationship with Him. And in light of that, God intended for us to enjoy relationships, whether it's somebody we work with or whether it's somebody that, you, that you're married to or whether it's your children, no matter what it may be, God intended for us to enjoy them. And so if most of your relationships you're getting something other than joy, then you're not doing relationships right because largely they're supposed to be about joy. Today we jump into another uh, another one of these sort of relation slips, and and this is one that is me big time. And last week, my wife wasn't in here, so I didn't have to be so honest about where I mess up. But this week, uh, you are, and so I had to be more careful about, you know, not acting like I'm better at something than I really am. Um, but this one is so challenging for me. Let me ask you a question. You ever had a conversation with somebody that, that you're pretty close with and they start telling you about something that's that's really wrong with someone else and they're telling you all about what the other person does that's wrong and you're just sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, this is you. Like You're so frustrated, but this is totally you. Like, you do this. And I cannot believe you can't see this in yourself even as the words are coming out of your mouth. Anybody got somebody like that? I think I am that person for a lot of people. Um, man, when we do that, we're all involved in this triangle. And it's sort of like, you know, you're judging some, they're judging someone else because they think that they're judging them. And you're judging them for not recognizing how judgmental they are. And we're all involved in this triangle where we're all looking at someone else going, something is really wrong with you. Um, all this judging and all this sort of short-sightedness, I think if you got to know somebody who really doesn't want to be at church and they felt like they could be honest with you, uh, a lot of people, not every person, but a lot of people are going to say, one of the biggest reasons why I just don't care to be a part of that is because so many people there are judging everyone else. So many people there are so short-sighted. And sometimes they're right, and sometimes they're not so right. But the problem is that sometimes they're right. And sometimes so often in church life, it just becomes this real judgmental thing where we're only telling everybody else all the things that they're doing wrong. In Romans chapter 2, Paul's talking to this group of people, and he is really making them feel good about themselves. He's, he's talking to them, and he's kind of like, he's saying, man, these other people, they're so terrible. And these people that you don't like, they're awful. And the crowd is loving it. You know, they're eating it up. Like they're, it's like they're at a rally, and, and, they, and they're just hearing all the things that they love to hear, and they're getting so excited. And Paul's like, man, these people that don't like you, they're gossips. And they're, they're, they hate God, they're arrogant, they're boastful, and they're like, the crowd's like, yeah, we hate those guys, they're terrible. And then Paul pauses for a minute, and he says, um, but now let me tell you about you. I think the nice people in this crowd say something like, instead of saying, yeah, those guys are terrible, they say, oh yeah, those people, God bless them. 
you know, because that's the Christian way of saying, I don't like them, you know, or there's something wrong with them. But Paul finally looks at him and he says, now let me tell you a little bit about you. I think that, that these kind of discussions are ones that we have all the time. And we find someone who is like us politically, and then we just start telling this guilty, right? And we start agreeing with one another very loudly about how wrong everybody else is. Or we find somebody else who has a spouse like ours, and we start really agreeing with one another about how bad our spouses are. Or we find somebody who has a child like ours, and it's like we're comparing who has the worst child and we really want to win. And we're going and over and over, man, we're just telling each other how wrong the other person is. And we're getting so excited. That's sort of what they're walking through. And then Paul says, now you. Now let me tell you a little bit about you. And I think at this point they're probably like, wait, no, we're on your side. You know, like, like we agree with you. You don't, you don't have to stop and admonish us. And Paul says, no, everything I said about them is totally correct. But that's not the extent of the problem. Romans chapter 2, verse 1. He says, now let me tell you about you. It says, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the very same things. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such thing is based on truth. So that means when God judges, it's not like ours, right? God judges correctly. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you'll escape God's judgment? Verse 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness? Talking about God. Do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, His forbearance, and His patience? not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. And we're going to kind of dig through all that, but I think that the very first thing that he's getting at in this, in this section here is he's saying, when we judge people, no one wins. And when we're judgmental towards other people, we don't win and they don't win. Because here's what happens, even when I'm right, and I stand in judgment of all the things that are wrong with you, even when I'm right. What I do when I'm constantly focusing on the things that are wrong with you is I never take into account the things that are wrong with me. And, and in doing so, you, you're not feeling any better about yourself, and I'm certainly not telling you how to get better, and it's not helping you, but I'm never looking at myself, and so both of us are losing in this thing. Matthew says it a little differently. I love this imagery. He says... Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? You ever heard this? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. When I read this, I just the imagery, I just picture myself... I really do this because I'm, I'm a strange guy. But I just picture myself going to like the eye doctor and, 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 and walking in and having some little bitty thing that's been bothering me, but it's finally gotten so bad, you know, I've got to go to the doctor and I can't really see it, but I know I've got an issue. And he comes in and I'm just picturing like a log sticking out of his eye. And he's like, okay, let's take a look at that. And I'm like, there's no way you can do this. And, and that, that's the picture that he's painting. And I think God is sitting there as, as we're, as we're sort of judging other people and, and even when we're saying things that are correct and God is sort of looking down and saying, that's you. Like, here you are, just like we are with everybody else. And He's like, here you are taking people to task for all the things that they do wrong. But that's you. 
How can you not see that in you? Um, sometimes we, we, we talk about other people being selfish, but really it's, it's us being selfish, wanting something out of a relationship that we're not getting. Um, we talk about, I mean, I hear so many people talk about spouses or parents not being present because they were always working, but yet those same people are very appreciative of the money that comes in and the extra money that comes in, and they're very happy to spend the extra money, and they're not very happy when it's not there. And so we have a complaint about something somebody else is doing, but really, we really appreciate having those things. If you think that you don't have something like that, Come up here and let me help you take the plank out of your eye. Because there's absolutely something that you complain about about someone else, and you're walking the same road. When we judge other people, what we don't do is we don't examine ourselves. We don't make changes we need to make. When we unfairly judge other people, the bad thing is nobody wins. And the thing that really gets lost is the relationship. But here's what I think the problem is. I think the problem with that whole thing is sometimes, would you agree with me? Sometimes people do need to change, right? Sometimes, like they actually, real change actually needs to happen. And you don't want to unfairly judge somebody, but something's got to change. When Jess and I first got married, God bless her, um, when we first got married, she loved to, to be at home. She was, she was sort of, sort of like, like a homebody. And, and we, we, we went out and we did a lot of things, but she loved to be at home. Um, my, at my house, we were always, like, it was, my house is like a revolving door. People just always coming in and going out. My parents, like, people were so often just dropped in for dinner that if one night nobody dropped in for dinner, we had leftovers for like four days. Because my mom's just always cooking a lot extra just in case somebody came in. There was always somebody there, always somebody going and always somebody coming. And Jess would say things like this, and, and I'd be like, that's crazy. And she would say, don't you just want to sit at home today and just relax and watch a movie? And I'd be like, sit at home? Who wants to sit at home? Like, that sounds like the worst way to spend a Saturday. And and I'm sort of passing my busyness off as godliness, because, you know, I was a youth pastor, and I was really trying to, you know, invest in students. And so I'm like, oh, I need to I need to be out and be doing something all the time. And I'm, and I'm trying to act like I'm being godly. And, and it wasn't until I began to see my own selfishness and I'm sort of throwing godliness around like, like it, like that's the real reason. And, and I'm being so selfish saying, Hey, you, you need to do these things. And it's just an effort to pull her out to do what I want to do. And it wasn't until I began to see my own selfishness and really I just want what I want. And it wasn't until I walked through that and really had to ask forgiveness of that um, and, and really had to examine the problems with myself that we could have a real conversation about it. Um, just like she's done with me, uh, what I started with so many things is, is I just tried to be patient. And, 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 and I'm better at times than others. And, and I tried to nudge at times. And, and now it's sort of like she's totally past me. Um, you know, so she'll long before me say, let's get on this meal train and go give somebody a, a, you know, a meal because they need this or that. Or let's, let's go to the park and let's invite 10 people, you know. And, um, and, and it's, it's so incredibly different now, but it's sort of this, in all these things, man, the good change always comes. When she comes to me and I'm doing something wrong, man, immediately I'm on the defense. And I'm like, heck no, you know, you're wrong. And well, yeah, I do that, but you do this. Um, because I'm just so childish, but, but, but when we come to each other slowly and, and we sort of see it from one another's point of view, boy, we get some good change then. See, the whole idea is in verse 4, 
Paul gives this approach to affecting needed change in others because he's like, sometimes things do need to change. And he says, he says, here's what needs to change. And this is the piece of the puzzle that I think you're taking for granted. Here's what he says. He says, this is what you're taking for granted in God. Um, kindness. When God wants to affect change, here's how he does it. He does it with kindness, forbearance, patience. That's how God affects change in the lives of people. Does that not feel a little bit different from the way that we try to change one another? That word kindness is, is like the word grace, and, and that word forbearance is like the word mercy. And so what I'm saying is if you want to affect real change in the lives of people around you, affect change with grace and mercy, not anger and arguing. Here's what grace is. Um, uh, somebody said this a long time ago. Justin and I were just having a conversation about it this week. Um, he, here's sort of the idea. Grace is, is getting what you don't deserve. So, so in, in the biggest scheme of things, like we don't deserve heaven, but we get it. God gifts us to be able to spend eternity with him. So grace is getting what you don't deserve. And mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Again, in the biggest scheme of things, we deserve to be apart from God forever, but we don't get that by His mercy. Grace and mercy, getting what you don't deserve and not getting what you do deserve. And I know what you may be thinking. I've been giving that to my kids for years, and and still it doesn't seem to help the big problems. I don't give them all the things that they deserve, and I definitely give them a lot of things that they don't deserve, and it doesn't seem to help. The idea is godly grace and godly mercy is aimed at restoration. It's not aimed at taking the easiest path. It's not aimed at trying to avoid arguments. Godly grace and godly mercy is saying, I'm going to give you something that, that you don't deserve because I want this to be better. I'm going to, give you, I'm going to not give you what you do deserve because I want to demonstrate to you that I, that I have this deep love for you and that I want you to avoid things that are bad for you. Affect change in the lives of people around you with grace and mercy. And I know what you're saying. You're sort of like, I've tried that. I tried it with my spouse. I tried it with the, the jerk at work. And I tried it with the, the girl in the cubicle next to me. And those kind of things just don't work. And here's what I'll say. Have you tried it for more than five minutes? Here's what, here's what we do all the time. This is what I think. We extend what I call five-second grace. And so when you're mad at somebody, you're like, you, you've decided you're going to make it better. And so you make them a cup of coffee or you make dinner and you set it down. And you give them about five minutes to praise you for an extended period of time for being the bigger person. And if within five seconds you don't, you're not, say, you're not singing their praises, it's sort of like, well, you're not going to say thank you? Boy, and then we just blow up again. Have you tried to extend mercy and grace like this for a day or two or a week when it's not being returned? How about God's been doing that for you your entire life? The word forbearance there, the word forbearance means to hold back. That means even when it is right to exact judgment, even when somebody's totally wrong, we just decide that this is not the right time and this is not the right place and we hold back from lashing out, even when we, even when we could be right in doing so. This is how God affects change. Does it always work? Do people always change when you extend grace and you extend mercy? Absolutely not. Does that mean it's not the right way? Absolutely not. Sometimes people just don't change, and sometimes that's the way that it happens. But this is the way to affect change. See, when we judge, nobody wins. 
But rather than casting judgment and blame to try to effect change, try to put forth some grace and some mercy. I'll say this finally. How, how effective is this strategy? How effective is, is, is sort of trying to change the, the relationships and the strained relationships that you have with people? How effective is this? I would say that it changes lives every single day. Scripture says that God uh, extends grace and mercy to us in order to lead us to repentance. And every day, people who are incredibly far from God and people who have nothing to hope for, every day, lives are changed when people come to follow Jesus. I would say that it, it, is, it affects more change than anything else you could imagine. I would say there is incredible power in it. I think there's no other way that you could make relationships with people around you better than by trying to do it that way. By not always seeking to be right and saying every time you're right, but extending some grace and some mercy. Let me pray. God, I pray that we would be people who would just...